Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pasha. My name is Nondo Begum Chali. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode looks at the buzz that is the fourth industrial revolution. Here to explain what it is and how South Africa has caught on the hype is Alison Gilworld, adjunct professor at the University of Cape Town in South Africa and executive director at Research ICT Africa. So there's been a lot of hype around this fourth industrial revolution since the appropriation of the concept by Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, it's really spread across the world like wildfire, but it's actually derived from a long tradition of um, academic and research work that relates to these different technological cycles with the advancement of capitalism that are referred to the contradictive waves, that the famous sort of innovation work of Joseph Schrumpeter actually emerged from the notions of creative destruction, potential for innovation and for new ideas and and processes and products to actually disrupt markets in ways that are favourable, that produce positive um, outcomes and innovation. Um, And that's really the the sort of idea of the fourth industrial revolution. As I said, in this original literature, we're actually on about the fifth or sixth industrial revolution. ICTs were the fifth. And um, in fact, renewable energy is the sixth. So the um, idea of the fourth industrial revolution is very much this popularized notion, the first one being steam and the second one being energy and the third one being ICTs and sort of digitization. And then for some people, they see the fourth as a different um, revolution from the third because it's not just digitization, but it's actually the combination of this uh, digital technology with the physical and biological realm that distinguishes. So artificial intelligence, robotics, drones, these kinds of things are examples of that kind of technology. Despite making four IR strides, there's still a major digital inequality in South Africa. There has been a lot of hype around the the fourth industrial revolution. Um, We see it particularly in South Africa, but this is really part of a global trend of um, countries that I think really haven't kind of envisaged their own future in many ways. And so have just adopted these fourth industrial revolution blueprints um, that promise digitally savvy countries enormous gains in economic growth, um, job creation. So these seem like really fantastical um, sort of notions and ideas. And the main problem with it is that, um, you know, simply overlaying advanced technologies on existing structural inequalities simply amplifies those inequalities. So not only are you continuing with what was traditionally called the kind of digital divide, but actually you're dealing with increased digital inequality. What um, we refer to in our work in the policy circle as the digital inequality paradox. And it's not only when you're dealing with these kind of high value technologies with enormous network effects and potential for commercialization and commodification. It's not only the divide between the connected and the unconnected, it's also the divide between those who are connected, barely connected, with their little small data bundles that they can buy, you know, very passively online, just buying a little bit of time you know, to be on a social network or something, and those people who are able to deploy these advanced technologies, um, you know, um, whether it's just applications or actually using these available technologies to grow their own prosperity and grow countries' prosperity, so innovation and that kind of thing. So the divide between even those who are online, not only to speak of those who are not even online, but even between those who are online and those who are really able to use them is growing all the time. So how can the country use 4IR to bridge the divide? So I think there are definitely a whole range of applications for um, artificial intelligence, for these advanced technologies, drones and robotics, etc., um, to contribute 
to you know the, the general good, even if people aren't directly using certain products, for them to be deployed. For example, you know the, the use of digital and biometric indicators um, in order to bring people online and allow them financial inclusion and, and various other things. Of course, this has to be done in a way that um, makes people aware of their rights in relation to this, their rights to be get, get identifiers, but also their rights to protect themselves from the misuse of these um, identifiers, for example, um, or you know, misused by the state for surveillance purposes, etc. So um, yes, there are applications, there, you know, incredible use of, of artificial intelligence for um, agricultural purposes, you know, to establish disease, to detect disease, to know what to do, you know, climate um, effects, all sorts of things. There are enormous potential for those. Currently, it's used by you know, big capital intensive farming or you know, some of the robotics that we're seeing is, is used by firms that are already you know, well established in this area. And obviously, there is the potential for, for startups. But in terms of you know, really assisting um, people in the area of you know, human development, in terms of health, etc., you know, these are probably going to be applications that we see at a much higher level that they will receive the indirect benefits from. And certainly they will only, we will only see the indirect benefits until a really concerted effort is made to reskill people for this new environment, like we've seen you know, requests for in the banking sector, for example, where there have been big layoffs due to automation. Um, of the banking sector and digitization of the banking sector, but also the you know potential for new jobs is there. But certainly, if we look at groups like Harambi um, that are you know connecting fifty thousand job seekers with five thousand um, companies, etc., we're seeing um, you know it's really scaling up of um, coding opportunities of data scientists and this kind of thing. So there are certainly um, opportunities there. But again, the kind of people who are likely to get these opportunities are likely to people who even maybe just relatively have more advantage than others. So we have to address the backlogs. We have to address you know, the supply side backlogs, the cost of communications, the regulatory bottlenecks, etc. that are there. You know, we also have to address this enormous human development deficit that we face in South Africa. Are there any steps already taken by South Africa worth noting? We have to continue to address the you know, policy backlogs that we have around affordable access, um, around you know, human development, etc. And I, my, my fear at the moment, my concern at the moment, is that we have diverted all our energy and attention into um, 4IR. And you know, um, nobody's kind of you know, watching the till, <laughs> getting the policy stuff that we seem to have abandoned on you know, the SA Connect broadband strategies, um, you know, the um, integrated ICT white paper, um, policies, etc., that around institutional designs that we need, or those kinds of things, seem to have been abandoned. Um, so, you know, I think. <laughs> Yes, there is policy in place, but there's a lot of um, implementation that's not happening while we're looking at the 4IR. On the other hand, I think there have been very interesting um, non-state responses to the 4IR, and I think that's a, you know, very common with innovation, is that the innovation happens in, in, the, in the private sector, in startups and those kinds of things. But I think a case in point is the, you know, the case of Harambi, where 
Um, you actually have a, a, a company that has um, identified needs in, in, the, in the market and is connecting and training on the basis of aptitude, not previous qualifications. On the basis of aptitude, you can go and do the test. If you have the aptitude, aptitude you can be trained as a coder. Um, and then there are, of course, more advanced courses for data scientists, etc., that um, are meeting industry needs as well. But through this program, they're really able to scale you know, um, the training of coding, of various you know, um, artificial intelligence, and other more advanced services too, but obviously the, the scaling is really at the, at the coders level where there's an enormous need across a you know, number of companies. So really providing a, a work seeker, trained work seeker base of 50,000 work seekers with um, 5,000 um, companies and that's growing and expanding all the time. South Africa has a long way to go before initiatives like the fourth industrial revolution can be beneficial for its people. Thank you for tuning into this episode produced by Ozeir Patel. From me and Adobe Gomjali, it's bye for now.